amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Warning. This podcast may contain graphic descriptions of physical and sexual violence against adults, children, and animals. Prepare yourself or do not enter. You in danger, girl. Welcome, listeners, to Bent and Twisted, the podcast where we snuggle by a roaring fire and tell each other true tales of the surreal and the sinister over Sangria and Sensimilia. I'm your host, Khadija, here with my co-hosts, Jay and JR. Come in and join us. Party favors for this episode are courtesy of Stank and Dank, the weed you want to roll in. And we'll be sipping on Aunt B's Pumpkin Spice Latte Cider, literal what the fuck in a bottle. Take the comfy cushion by the fire and snuggle up. I'm about to tell y'all the story of Enriqueta Marti, Van Perez of Barcelona. We're on different levels. Oh, I just have really good hearing. Hmm? I'm proud of have very good hearing. But I also have that hearing where you hear that low you pitch. selective fucking hearing. Is what, she <laughs> what was that? I'm sorry. I have that thing where you hear, uh, I guess, the tendonitis, ten, tinnitus. It's just like, so I can't be in a room that's too quiet. I have to have something going. No, we made a secret. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it hasn't been so much of a secret. We know what to do to you now. Oh, that would drive me nuts. If you if you were to literally like lock me in a room with no sound, if there was nothing running, because I, I would was go... actually thinking about doing that, like the sensory deprivation no, I... thing. And you're throwing in claustrophobia? No, <laughs> fuck that shit. No. Uh, uh, I remember one time I was stupidly like we went to Marine World or Six Flags or the fuck it is now. It was around Halloween and they had a casket experience. Mm-hmm. It's exactly what it sounds like. Oh, I God, went in, and I went in, I'm like, oh, that looks fun. I get in there, and immediately, like, as soon as it closes and it starts, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm claustrophobic. And the whole time, it's just, it was like a five-minute fucking thing, and it seemed like three hours. And the whole time, I'm like, don't panic. 
stupid. What else <laughs> is happening like, in there? It's like you'll hear like it's an old school type of coffin, so it's mm. like western. So you'll hear them load you, and it's got it's on one of those hydraulics. Mm-hmm. So you'll hear and feel them load you up onto the bug, like the horse buggy, and then you'll hear them going down the you know, and then burying you, and then burying you. That made it even worse Here's for the me. Shovel. Yes, yeah, oh my God. yes, that made it twenty times worse. That sounds terrifying. I don't know why I did it. I have no clue I'm just imagining, why like, I did it. And soon as they close the the lid, it's like suddenly. Like, ah, That's ah. exactly what it was. Oh, no, it's like just ghosts, like, oh. like in your mind, <laughs> screaming in your mind. You're like, ah, ah. oh god, that even would be even worse. Okay, you guys, I'm gonna tell you this story. And I just want to say here, I just want to say, that it's, uh, this story is, uh, it's hard to find information on this story in English. Okay, so, that said, this is my story. On Saturday, February 10th, 1912, three-year-old Teresita Guitart Pongost vanished. For years, the youngest of Barcelona's poor had been disappearing, never to be seen or heard from again. There wasn't panic, but rumors had been spreading that all these missing kids weren't just victims of coincidence. Since the missing were poor, there was growing sentiment that the authorities were simply being apathetic because they didn't care about the poor, and there's no lie in that. It certainly didn't seem to require any urgency as far as they were concerned. However... This particular disappearance sparked more interest than usual, either due to her age or the accumulation of missing kids over the years, or both. Now, regular, normal citizen of Barcelona, Claudia Elias, happened to glance up at a window of her neighbor's apartment where she saw a small girl with cropped hair. She'd never seen the child before, and so she asked her neighbor, Senora Marina, who the girl was in her window. Senora Marina passed her without comment, went upstairs, and just closed the window. Claudia took that about as well as you would. She happened to mention it to her buddy, a craftsman down the street. She told him that what had caught her eye about the girl was the crazy way her hair had been cut. She said... From the way Senora Marina acted, you would think that child was the missing girl everyone's looking for. The craftsman advised her that she shouldn't speak ill of people like that, but Claudia replied that she'd been neighbors with Senora Marina for years and had noticed her peculiar behavior. She dresses like a queen at times, and others like a pauper, entertains the occasional strange guest, puts on airs like she's important, but she's always behind on her rent. And this was compelling enough to the craftsman for him. <laughs> Wait. What? So you say that there's a girl in a window with cropped hair in this strange lady's house and it's like, oh, mind your business. But then when you hear she dresses like a queen and behind her, well, maybe we should go looking into this. <laughs> yeah, apparently this was compelling enough to, for him to repeat it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And eventually, local authorities caught wind of the rumors and decided to act. A couple of agents sought Senora Marina in the streets, and they located her in um, a courtyard somewhere. And they informed her that they'd received complaints that she had been cohabiting with chickens. (laughs) 
and they wished to squirt her back to her apartment to check to see if there were any chickens there. Ma'am, do you have chickens in your home? <laughs> Are you living with chickens? She was puzzled by this because you would be, but she did not resist. Upon entering the apartment, the police discovered two small girls alone together. One of them appeared to match the description of the missing three-year-old, Teresita. When questioned, she told them her name was Teresita. Teresita stated that she had been with her mother when the senora took her by the hand. She didn't know her, but this lady just comes and takes her by the hand. She smiled at her and promised her sweets. They walked for a while, and after a time, Teresita became worried that she was going too far from her mother, and she wanted to go back. Senora then covered her head with a black scarf and hustled her into the apartment. And she had remained there for the two weeks or so until the police rescued her. And she reported that the senora had cut her hair. The senora had also told her that she no longer had parents and that she was to call the senora stepmother. Also, her own name had been changed to Felicidad or Felicidad. Now, the other little girl was calling the senora mother and calling herself Angelita. Her identity was a bit more difficult to nail down. The senora claimed Angelita was her daughter, but this was quickly proven not to be the case. She then claimed Angelita was left to her custody because her parents could not care for her, but she couldn't name the parents. Then she claimed that the girl was her niece, the daughter of her sister-in-law, who asked her to care for the girl. But when contacted, the sister-in-law stated that she had been told that her child was stillborn. So I believe the senora had taken the infant, then told her sister-in-law the baby was dead, and then kept the baby for herself for four or five years. Wow. But that would also be her brother's child. So that's kind of like, um, really, anyway, anyway. Her nephew? It's her niece. Her niece, Yeah. Right. But as a result of the keen-eyed Claudia Elias' pension for gossip and uh, the uh, craftsman's pension for repeating it, um, Teresita was returned to her parents' custody. Angelita was returned to her mother. Senor Marina was arrested, and the police returned to her apartment to complete their investigation. And there they found more chickens. <laughs> they found some Popeyes. That's some Popeyes. Why is he just hanging around all those chickens? <laughs> Trying to get friendly with them. Surprise them. And we'll get back to that. Oh, shit. <laughs> but in the meantime, let me tell you a bit about Senora Marina. For one thing, her surname was not Marina. Her name was Enriqueta Marti, and she was born in Sant Filu de Llobregat, Spain, in 1868. You would go find a loudest warachi as you can find like squeak and squeaker <laughs> squeak squeak happy now like wearing two haystacks on your feet happy <laughs> <now>. <laughs> yes I'm happy it wasn't uncommon for the children of peasant families to leave the countryside for the city in search of employment and this wasn't restricted to men and boys females also did this to be clear most of these people would have preferred to stay in the countryside but in the case of the girls in particular, they were forced to do this because the families needed the money they would send home to them. In the case of Enriqueta, she traveled to Barcelona and found work as a domestic in the household of a very wealthy family. 
the disparities between the lives of her employers and their friends versus Enriqueta's family and everyone she'd ever known were earth-shattering to her. She was in utter awe of their material wealth and astonished by their excesses. Enriqueta was quite young when she began working and living in the city. She was a pretty country girl with an innocent face and dark curls. It would not and did not take long for her to attract the attention of the men in the family and their male visitors. Wait, the men in her family? In the family that she's working for. Oh, I'm like, uh... No, no. No, we did that already. <laughs> we did that story already. Now, this fact is often glossed over when and if you're able to find any information on this person in English. It is said that she, quote, decided that prostitution was more lucrative, a, a more lucrative profession. But that's an enormous jump. And something's getting left out because prostitute is a broad umbrella. And it was even then. And considering how the poor, not just women and children, but just the poor in general, had no safety nets, and the discovery of penicillin was still 50 years or so away, I'm just not convinced that that would be a lifestyle that would have appealed to any female who believed that they had a choice. Um, or most females. I'm not going to say that. I'm not, you know. And no kink shame. Make that money. <laughs> Girl. Besides, um... Enriqueta Marti was more of a courtesan. Although she was young, her face was even younger looking. And she also was a crafty person. She had already been exposed to things she probably shouldn't have before she'd even gotten to town. And she picked up on the looks the men exchanged when she was in the room and the rude and scandalous things that they would whisper in her ear as she brushed by. The face looked naive, but she knew what time it was. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Impressed as she was with the finer things in life, she decided to just lean in. Other maidservants confronted by a randy employer insistent on sex, i.e. rape, the average girl would re resist, either risking being cast out in the street, or they would submit, either tearfully or stoically. And Raketa decided to just throw herself into it. Enticed with the splendor around her, she showed herself to be enthusiastic and game for anything because she was learning on the job. Learning on the job? Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Instead of the disgraced maid servant who would ever after attempt to avoid her abuser, perhaps going so far as to seek employment elsewhere and, or, you know, maybe causing problems with his wife or whatever. And, and Raketa was not like that at all. 
She understood exactly how to play the game. She was unoffending and virtuous when needed and passionately willing to take part in any act of sexual depravity on the DL. Jesus. And like I said, she was a quick learner, but this did have an evolution. I don't think she understood that particular train of activities that she was on, just where that was headed when she got on. But she just decided to let go and go with it. And she'd seen a few things before she'd arrived in Barcelona. But I just don't think she could have predicted the trajectory of events of her life. But I don't know. Uh, She cavorted um, with one or several of these wealthy men before finding herself being brought to their secret parties. And arriving in such spaces, she demonstrated why she'd been brought along. There were other females present who, one way or another, had found themselves at these soirees. And it was from these women and what she witnessed at these exclusive galas that she learned what to market and how to do it. So, from that perspective, she transitioned into prostitution. She moved on. (laughs) She left domestic service and went to work in a fancy brothel. And there she honed her skills even further, specializing in kink and fetish. As you do in, like, 1880. And in 19... Wait. What? So was there a particular kind of kink or fetish that she... Whatever was dirtiest, I guess. Whatever, or whoever... Whatever you were most ashamed of, I would assume. Okay. In 1895, when she, okay. <laughs> in, in 1895, when she was 27 years old, Enriqueta married a man named Juan Pujalo. Bless name. you. Pujalo. <laughs> Pujalo. Right? Pujalo. Yeah. They had a very unusual marriage, to say the least, especially for the time. It's pretty safe to say that he was part of the whole bohemian movement with the ideals of free love and whatnot. He was an artist, a painter, and I couldn't find much on him apart from his relationship with Enriqueta, so I'm just going to assume he wasn't a greatly successful artist. In any event, he had something that she wanted, and who knows what that was. I mean, maybe a penchant to forgive her for whatever, maybe a huge D. <laughs> Maybe he. See, they were in this. They were into the same king. You like sitting on birthday cakes. You like being. I like pu- sitting on birthday cakes. Uh, <laughs> you like being punched in the back of the head while being done. <laughs> <laughs> so do I. Let's be real. Back then, it was probably just mostly wearing leather and whipping people. In the eighteen hundreds. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's more so like ankle. You know, I feel like a lot less turned people on a lot more back now. Now you've got to have, like, some fucking guy shoving fists up your ass to turn people on back then. Nope, two fists and a massive dildo. Woo! (sighs) (laughs) Is that what happens or you just go... If you're just going woof, (laughs) you need to reevaluate your life. (laughs) Like, uh, anyhow. (laughs) (laughs) He made some choices. Okay. Ready? Okay. Where am I at? Okay, so. Oh, yeah. 
Even after working in the late 19th century sex industry for a decade or more, Enriqueta still looked both innocent and uncannily younger than her years. Whatever... Mm. Huh? Like, ugh. Sorry. Whatever they had together, they would have a difficult time quitting each other. For the next 12 years, between 1895 and approximately 1907, the couple would break up and get back together at least a half dozen times. Juan, Juan seemed to be able to forgive his wife for her transgressions, but she didn't want to have to have his forgiveness because she was planning to continue what she was doing. She had to have been working at a brothel when they met, and I'm sure it's it wasn't a secret to him, but she wasn't a princess looking to someone to save her from a cesspool. She was in a cesspool on a float sipping a fucking mimosa. Her hat and sunglasses yeah, Exactly, on. very comfortable. After Juan finally got the message, and it did take years for that to happen, he still didn't divorce her. They separated and just remained separated. A year or so after her final separation from her husband, Enriqueta opened her own brothel. She had learned from all of her employers and all of her clients <laughs> and all of her co-workers... I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm climbing up that chain. I'm going from prostitute to pimp. (laughs) I mean, it makes sense. It does. It's staying in your field, right? (sighs) She learned she had found a niche market and it means to become an employer herself. There you go. You're right. I'm not laughing at, like, sex work. I just find it funny that that she kind of did it the way a girl boss. A job would do yeah, yeah, she came in on the ground floor and worked her way up. Did she get minimum wage for her? Uh, probably at that oh, time, the minimum wage was like a penny. I don't know. <laughs> a half a penny. That would be the minimum. Uh, you know, feeding my children on one penny a week. People used to like take a penny and actually cut it in half. Why? This... Really? But then it's two pennies. No, it's a half a penny. So 0.5 cents? penny. I mean, that's true. Okay. I was just thinking about something. Never mind. <laughs> uh, no, uh, that would be just so random and, and like, we're not going there. Okay. <laughs> so, we all have ADHD yeah, here. Yeah, like, and some have more of it than others and stuff. Okay, so she was crafty, as I said, and she'd found a way to ingratiate herself to her clients by learning their darkest kinks and catering to those. She realized that they would pay her way more than what she could usually make. (laughs) That That they would pay her way more than what she could usually make if she would provide experiences that they couldn't get anywhere else. And her contacts with other sex sex workers could fill in some of the gaps if needed. Like if they needed a dominatrix. And it's like, okay, I know somebody I can go to for that. For employers or employees. Yeah, but um, she would need to feed from a virgin pool of employees. (laughs) You know? That's right. Uh, If they wouldn't apply for the jobs themselves, then she would even make the extra step of conscripting them. Her enterprise became quite lucrative in a short time. She had arrived in Barcelona with nothing 
but worked and crafted her way into owning several properties in different districts throughout the city. She lived in a fine house full of luxuries. She owned a brothel where her clients could be serviced, although more than a few requested house calls. And among other things, she also owned the apartment, which we'll soon revisit. And later, she, she owned other apartments as well. So she owned several apartments in the uh -oh. town. And she had begun to trade discreetly, servicing wealthy men in Barcelona. The pool of wealthy people in any city is going to be a relatively small group, small enough for them to know one another, and small enough that word of mouth among like-minded people will make the circuit. Enriqueta had developed a reputation as a procurist of anything. If you desire it, she could arrange it, whatever it was. If it had an aftermath, she could make that go away as well. Oh. No questions asked, no judgment, and no one would ever breathe a word about it. She made herself a little fortune doing just this. Her clients weren't just rich people. They were members of the aristocracy. They were members of the nobility. They were high-level members of the government. They were doctors. They were lawyers. All with... Hilarious fetishes. <laughs> they were anyone with a vile and illegal kink. And very deep. Illegal kink. Very, very deep pockets. Well, why would you go to her? That was all legal. Doubt it was all legal. Yeah, I mean, back then, it's like, oh, I saw your knee. Yep. You're going to jail. <laughs> Indecent <Indeed>. exposure. <laughs> Since she was no longer servicing her clients herself... Enriqueta had time to indulge in some of her more refined occupations, such as creating exclusive cosmetic aids. This way she could profit from the female elites that otherwise would be unlikely to be patrons. They were wild for her age-defined beauty treatments. Her, treat her treatments were only for the most well-bred and discriminating members of the ruling class. And they had to have goo gobs of money, too, because no matter how pious she looked, Enriqueta wasn't going to be bothered for less than a lot. As for the brothel, it turns out, sadly, not surprisingly, that many of her clients desired to be serviced by people younger than legally allowed. Some of her clients desired to push that limit as far as possible. Oh, no. Enriqueta never had any children of her own, but she had that face. She had put together a uniform of sorts created from rags and pieces of plain clothing, she put a shawl or scarf over her head and journeyed across town to where the poor begged for bread at the churches or monasteries. She knew how to blend in there. She would scope the place out, observing the people. She was searching for something particular. She was looking for a child. It was known that she trafficked children as old as 15 and as young as 5. Jesus. But this is a service that she provided for years, and she had no scruples, so there is no telling how old her youngest victim actually was. And I'm betting that it was someone younger than five. Anyway, Enriqueta would watch the people. She was looking for a child of a particular age or description, maybe. She was seeking one that looked neglected, a kid no one was paying attention to, one who was either alone or was with someone who was distracted. She was looking for a kid that wasn't known to everyone, a new kid. A lost kid would be preferable. And once she found her mark, she would approach them and kindly ask if they wanted sweets or cakes. This is unbearably tempting to a hungry young child, particularly one no one is minding, 
and Enric had to have that face. Even though she was a grown woman and no longer looked like a child, she had the kindly face of every Madonna smiling placidly down upon the face of every baby Jesus. What's not to like? In 1909, there was an enormous civil uprising in Catalonia, which culminated in what they called the Tragic Week. Part oh, of, fun. yeah, part of the government's response was to conduct raids and searches. And in the midst of all this upheaval, one of Enriqueta's apartments was raided. She was arrested at her flat along with a young man. She was accused by authorities of running a brothel and selling the services of children between the ages of 4 and 14. Oh, no. They said 5 and 15 before, and now they say 4 and 14, so. Yeah, it's a close estimate. Yeah, basically. Uh, Apparently, the man who was arrested was from a rich and well-connected family. Of course. And somehow, the case against Enriqueta was lost in the shuffle. Of course. (laughs) She was released without trial. She was just allowed to go free. And as soon as she was free, she went right back to her career as purveyor of perversion and pulchritude because she still had her sideline of exclusive beauty aids and tinctures. And she did risk business until her arrest in the early spring of 1912 for the abduction of Teresita Guitart Conquest. Little Teresita was able to give the police a remarkable amount of information considering how young she was. Angelita, the other little girl, was a year or two older. And I'm going to tell you what she told the police. Now, I've already told you that she told them her name was Angelita and she was completely confused about who her parents were. She had been living with Enriqueta and another child, a small boy called Pepito, who was about five, before Teresita joined their household. Um... The senora fed them breadcrumbs and vegetables and left them on their own in the flat for extended periods of time. In the apartment were several rooms that that she had forbidden the children from ever entering. The rooms were off limits and they were threatened with punishments should they ever trespass. Angelita had been awakened in the middle of the night. She got out of bed and tiptoed through the dark to investigate. When she approached the kitchen, she reported that she saw Pepito laid on the kitchen table and then Riqueta in the process of cutting him with a knife. Terrified, Angelita scurried back to bed and pretended to be asleep later when Enriqueta came to check on her. She also reported that even though the rooms were declared forbidden territory, she and Teresita had entered one of them where Angelita claimed there was a knife and bloody clothes. So... After carting Enriqueta off to jail, the police felt they needed to go back to the flat and have a look around. Uh They weren't looking for chickens. On a more thorough inspection, the police discovered the knife and the bloody clothing. They also found a sack containing more clothing and more than 30 small bones, most of them human. Entering another room, which had been locked, they encountered a scene unlike anything they'd been expecting. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, 
Protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The room was filled with the putrid stink of decay, and the source of the smell was not mysterious. There were bowls, pots, and rendering materials filled or half-filled with lumps of hair with scalp attached, coagulated blood, pulpy brain matter, and raw human fat. On some of the shelves surrounding this macabre workspace sat more jars filled with pieces of bodies. On other shelves sat elegant vials and jars, bottles and flasks filled with her homemade ointments and salves and labeled for sale to the ladies of the ruling class. Oh no, I don't think I know where this is going. Alarmed by their findings, uh, alarmed by their findings, the police went ahead and searched the other properties and Raketa was known to have owned or rented. And in so doing, they discovered human remains behind false walls, within crawl spaces, oh under floorboards, and certainly buried in the gardens. The remains were those of young children between three and eight. Their clothing had been interred with the bodies and provided evidence that she was targeting the poor. Altogether, they were alleged to have discovered the bodies of at least ten separate individuals. Jesus Christ. One source that I was reading claimed that the police had gone on to search the home of Enriqueta's family out in the countryside, and there they discovered more remains of children in vases and receptacles as well as books of so-called remedies. If that's true, you would think that there would be questions for her relatives, and I didn't see anything like that. But then again, like I said, it's hard to find info in English. In one of Enriqueta's apartments in Barcelona, they found what appeared to be an ancient tome with pages of parchment, a notebook containing her recipes, stacks of letters written in code, and a list containing the names of the most prominent and powerful families in Catalonia. The idea of washing your face in baby's blood or rubbing on unguents on your face containing the fat from a child should sound repulsive to everybody. However, Elizabeth Bathory wasn't the only lunatic to believe such vile ingredients would win her battle against Father Time. But those ideas came from somewhere, some kind of weird folklore, probably heavily influenced by anti-pagan propaganda pushed by the Catholic Church. Not that there weren't already some repulsive pagan customs that were supposed to cure disease or prevent aging. In ancient Rome, they swore the blood of executed criminals and gladiator sweat were the elixirs with all kinds of magical properties, so, you know. Hey. I mean, it wasn't that the Greek, or probably the Greeks, but the Romans that would, like, sell gladiator yeah, olive was, oil that they used to wash their bodies. Yeah, they would sell the, um, yeah, and they thought it was a great aphrodisiac. Instead of bathing in water, they the Romans would cover themselves in olive oil and then like scrape it off oh, yeah, tools. I I'm just saying for if there's yeah, people like, who don't. And so then somebody is collecting that dirty oil runoff that they're scraping off their skin. Ugh. Collecting it off their bowls. No, please. Why is this cheese flavored oil? Stop. <laughs> just stop this moment. <laughs> you know it isn't even cheese flavored. In any event, 
The reason her beauty products were distributed so exclusively was because the consumers of those products knew what was in them and were prepared to pay crazy amounts for them. Whoa. Enriqueta was dedicated to a brand, the genie of the lamp, provider of forbidden things you couldn't get anywhere else. So yeah, these rich women knew what was in those bottles. That's why they were paying so much for them. Uh-uh. It's like, yes, I have a special salve that's made with the fat from a baby's butt, and you oh, put it under your so it's eyes. So that kind of finish. Yeah. Well, no, stuff. that's for the women. Oh. Yeah. That's for the women. For the guys, it's whatever else they want to do. When questioned about the bizarre workshop discovered in her flat, and Raketa initially claimed that she was making studies of human anatomy. Sure. Oh, sure you were. Yeah, she's not a doctor, not anything like that. Just curious. After further interrogation, she admitted that she used the body parts from children as the raw ingredients for her poultices and cures. She then boasted that she was very skilled at this and had the finest and most potent recipes, which was why rich women climbed all over each other to get their hands on her products. However, Enriqueta knew her number was up. No doubt her customers would have done anything possible to keep her from justice. She had skills and a ruthlessness that is... I would hope very rare to come by. (laughs) For real. But now that they'd found her little hidey hole with all her gross bits and pieces, she wasn't going to be able to slither out from under those accusations. I mean, like, selling the sexual favors of children, uh, you know, I guess there's people willing to excuse that in some way, look the other way, but once those people... Show up dead. It's like a oh, oh. whole different story. Oh, okay. So, um, what awaited her was the garrote. That's how they executed people back then, or at in Spain at that time. Could you explain what that is? The garrote is they would basically sit you in a chair, stand you up, and they would put a garrote is basically a loop of cloth or a belt that you get that's that's put around your neck, and then they put like a a stick or a bar in it and start twisting it. Oh, no. And they, it's a, it's basically you're strangling someone to death, but when you use a garrote, you can do it as slowly or as quickly as you want to do, and you can release it and then, you know, do it. it torture. Yeah, you can torture somebody like that. Um, but that was how they killed people. Back then. And that place at that time. And she knew this, and she wasn't happy about it. So she wasn't going to give the authorities the satisfaction of any more information. She intended to go to her grave without naming her victims, without putting a number to her victims, and without revealing the names of her clients. Bitch. (laughs) Bitch. (sighs) The police were motivated enough by this case to put their own spin on it. You know, they were trying to do damage control themselves. And they claimed that the list of names was not a list of her clients. No, 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 no. It's rather, it's a list of people she'd swindled. Sure, Yeah, because everybody writes down the names of the people they swindled. <laughs> and everyone uh, in the world went, sure, Jan. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> they were determined the blame should be focused on Enriqueta alone. And her list of associates should just be left out of it. Don't look at the thing over there. Look at that interesting thing. Convinced that she would attempt suicide before they could try her, they put several prefect prisoners in charge of her suicide watch. They were advised to pull the covers off of her to make sure she wasn't up to something. 
And she did try to cut her wrist with a little knife that she had MacGyvered from a piece of wood. But she was caught doing this, and they patched her back up. However, Enriqueta would never stand trial for her crimes. For whatever reason, and it seems a bit suspicious, the prefects meant to guard her ended up beating her to death. Not too hard to understand if any of them were mothers, and I'm sure some were. It may also be that someone from on high decided that putting her on trial might not be a great idea for them, mm -hmm. a la Epstein. So. <laughs> yeah, so there are people who believe that Enriqueta Marti was just mentally ill and that <laughs> she didn't kill children, but she dug up the bodies of dead children and used those for her ingredients. They How is that better? <laughs> They claimed the only reason she was kidnapping children was because she desired to have children and couldn't. Sure. Yeah, that sounds kind of like a reach, too. Um, you can believe what you want to. You know, I mean, we, we're all capable of making our own choices. Uh, no doubt she was mentally ill. I mean, you would have to be mentally yeah. ill to do the things that she did. And it's very chilling when you think of the details of this story and then consider the story of Mark Dutro. Do you know who he was? He was a Belgian guy who killed a couple of girls, young girls, but he claimed that he was procuring and sex trafficking children for the European elite. He was operating in the 80s and 90s. And when you consider the very real possibility that there's a continuum in this trafficking that has gone on for perhaps centuries, it's very sobering. You know, we don't like that. <laughs> Whereas I'm not one for conspiracy theories in general, I can imagine this type of toxic corruption among the most wealthy people in this world. I can imagine them just, that's just a thing. Yeah. And on that cheerful note, I, in this tragic tale, it's not merry, but it's true. And just another reminder that people can be really, really shitty to each other. Don't be shitty. The holidays are coming up. Don't be shitty. And they're often hard times for people. So be mindful because you don't know what others are going through. And be grateful because you don't know what others are going through. And sometimes you don't fucking want to know. So get some love off of the important people in your life and give them a big hug. Get one back for yourself. And that's it for me. Mm. You always find the absolute worst. <laughs> I know, I'm so sorry. But well, that's, really... what, that's what we're here for. <laughs> well, everyone, thank you for listening to Bent and Twisted. If you like what you hear, make sure to follow us on Twitter, at Bent Podcast. Until that rabbit fucking hole burns to the ground, yeah. then you can find us on... Probably Instagram or something. Probably Some Instagram like or that. something. <laughs> we'll keep you posted. Yeah. Until next time, get bent. Bye. Turn your notifications Bye. on. Download. Subscribe. Bye. <laughs>Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. 
That's managementconcepts.com. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.